Hear ye, hear ye. This episode is full of spoilers for the magical motion picture, Black Panther. Consider this your spoiler warning. Don't say we didn't warn you. And if you haven't seen it yet, please go get your life. (laughs) I lit a sage when you walked in. Cause I have no idea where you've been. What kind of energy you conjuring? What kind of spells you be casting? I lit a sage when you walked in. Cause I have no idea where you've been. What kind of energy you conjuring? What kind of spells you be casting? Oh my god. Bonus episode. Ding, ding, ding. Why? Because it is the most important weekend of your life. No, not. Of everybody's life. But yes. <laughs> of the history of things. Of. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our Black Panther special, um, where we are going to go in as much as we can in an hour about <laughs> what this episode means to us as black queer people. And like blurs and like people who like things and all kinds of other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> all the things, all the things. And we have a special guest. Woo! Um, so you want to check in? Yeah, let's check in and we'll introduce our guest through the check-in. Okay. So, so the check-in question for our super magical bonus episode is your name, PGP, and the first fandom you were ever part of, like ever in life. First, first, first. Um, and somewhere in there also tell us like who you are and like what it is that you do in the world. Yeah. Oh, am I going first? Yeah, yeah. You go first. Oh, no. <laughs> um, okay. uh, my name is Tony Ray. Uh, in the world, I am a consultant, activist, uh, all around trying to be a good human and positive force. I would say, let's go back to my PGPs. Uh, he, him, his, and my first fandom, like, if I'm looking at it as a kid and not now as an adult, mm. I'm probably going to go with, I have two, okay. mm-hmm. Voltron and Thundercats. <laughs> those were my first two fandoms because those were the ones where it's like, oh my God, multicolored suits. And then the other one was like, oh my God, cats that have swords and can fight. Yes, <laughs> all of these things were amazing. <laughs> so those were definitely my... My go-to. Awesome. Word. Word. Uh, me. Um, Ishoke, she, her, and ma'am. Who are you in the world? Uh, I am a student right now. Um, (laughs) Get those books. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I'm also a consultant and uh, creative for the things. Um, and I, I think my first, like, true fandom, like, where I was, like, completely obsessed and invested in the world, um, and did all the things that, like, now I see are fandom things, but at the time I was just like, this is fun, um, it's definitely Harry Potter, like, mm-hmm. it's my first introduction to fan fiction, it's my first introduction to meetups, and, like, midnight releases, and, like, all of the, like, things you do outside in the world when you're 
really into something. Mm-hmm. Um, you did like the midnight book release. Though. I did. It was the, fir- <laughs> the first time so I dressed cute. up for anything was Harry Potter stuff. The first time I, the first convention I ever went to was LeakyCon. Um, it's it's all of that. It's all of that. So I think, yeah, HP introduced me to the concept of fandom even. Hey, I'm Kyria, and my pronouns are she, her, and femme if you nasty. Hey. And, um, at what? <laughs> um, and in the world, actually, I have a little tagline. I'm a writer, actor, and cultural worker. Um, which uh, these days also means that I do some consulting, um, but also um, make theater from all different angles um, with other theater makers and with folks who may or may not be identified as artists yet and with a social justice angle. Mm -hmm. I think what y'all two did not say, though, is that y'all are very legitimate cosplayers, (laughs) (laughs) which you should have mentioned, which I am not. I I feel like that falls under consultant. Like people pay me to like show up and do stuff. In the business world, that's not exactly (laughs) what people, anyways. So my first fandom (laughs) was, I'm actually, so I'm gonna take it way to way the way the way back. Cause as I like, now that I know what fandom is, cause I'm like, I'm a late bloomer to my blurred identity. Not a label bloomer to being nerdy, but like had like a nerdy youth that was steeped in whiteness and da 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 and came back. You know, we've talked about this. But so new to blurred life, new to recontextualizing what fandom is. So, but if I go back to like what I associate with like that kind of this is so important, I'm gonna drop everything for it. I'm going to um, shape my life around it while it's happening and maybe afterwards it's gonna change the way I think about myself. My first fandom, stay with me. Sesame Street in the 80s when Maria got married on the show. Oh, wow. Okay. Lost my goddamn (laughs) mind. (laughs) I was four or five, maybe six. I think I was five. Um, And it was like all I talked about was weddings and wedding dresses and what I was, I was going to wear something to her wedding. Like it was an event. And like I like learned so much <laughs> from that <laughs> what community is and love and la 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 and you know I'm sure if I watched it again there'd be like hella problematic heteronormative but like Maria's, stuff but Maria's, Maria's so legit great. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like adult me uh, is still like into the fact that like Maria got onto Sesame Street and was like all right so here's what it is right and and challenged the folks over there to not keep doing the right. same like. Yeah, she brought like actual people of color, like topics and needs as, as for children. Mm-hmm. That, so, anyways, we don't need to talk about all that. <laughs> That's that my first first fandom, I think. Um, but we're not here to talk about that. We're not. Um, we're gonna talk about all things Black Panther. But first, what are we drinking? I am Killmonger. No one's perfect, but no one's worthless. We ain't deserving of everything heaven and earth is, but where it is. Good. This is my home. So no one's perfect, but no one's worth this. We deserve of everything heaven and earth is, but where it is? Good. North of California. Hey, they better call a paramedic in the street. They got leverage in the street. I'm a California nigga and I'm heavy in the street. All right, so shenanigans, mulligans, even. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so because I'm super nerdy. I spent a lot of time on the internet uh, looking at things, 
And some of those things are recipes for alcohol. Um, so I found this recipe for a Klingon blood wine that requires some time, right? You've got to like blend all the ingredients and then you got to like let it steep for a month and then you can drink it. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so a month ago I was like, oh yeah, it'll be Pisces season. I'm not a Klingon, I'm a Vulcan, but the Vulcans don't do alcohol. It'll be great. I'll make it for my birthday. Um, but since we are having an entire Black Panther episode, I feel like we're just going to call this like the Killmonger's Blood of the Colonizers and call it a day. Excellent rebranding. <laughs> love it, love it. So I will put the recipe for this in the show notes. Um, I made two versions of it because I live in a world where Kiri and I have to drink together. <laughs> and <laughs> so this version is um, a, like a heavier dark red wine. Uh, I also made a version that is a port, which is a little sweeter. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's got like spices and stuff. It's in it. got body yaddy yaddy, <laughs> y'all. It's really good. Y'all. It's really good. <laughs> it's, it's it's complex. <laughs> yes, this is like the first time in a long time that I've been like, ah, I see why people like non-sweet reds. Mm. Mm-hmm. Guess what? What? We are an official affiliate of Universal FanCon. What? That's blah, blah, legit. Blah, blah, blah. All right. So what's what's Universal <laughs> FanCon? Universal FanCon is a first-year convention that will be taking place in Baltimore, Maryland from April 27th until April 29th. That's a whole last three days. Ooh, it's going to be lit. Uh, We're going to be out here. I'm going to be cosplaying. At the Baltimore Convention Center. Um, and running around and doing all the things and you'll get to like see people and do things and hang out with us and fan out, nerd out, blurred out is lit. So how do you go? How do you go? Oh my gosh. You can purchase your tickets on the Universal FanCon account. We will definitely have a link in our show notes. But when you get to the checkout, make sure you use our promo code gifted sounds, all one word, case insensitive. For a 10% discount. What? 10% is lit. It's lit. So then what do you do, right? How do you share your excitement? You use the code and then you tweet us with the hashtag cheers, the letter N, queers. And fandom is universal to let us know that you just bought your tickets to come hang out with us for a really dope weekend in Baltimore. So... Go so buy stuff. Go buy stuff. Go to the uh, the link in our show notes and use the promo code gifted sounds, all one word, and then tweet us with the hashtag cheers, the letter and queers, and fandom is universal to let us know that you down to party. We'll see you guys there. Let's talk about our feelings. Oh, I have never cried mm. so many times for seeing the same <laughs> film. Oh. And I'm talking like, you know when you know exactly what's going to happen in what order. I'm talking, I was sitting there, my eye, my face was leaking. Like, nothing but pure emotions. Because without giving too much away, I saw myself in both of them. Mm. I saw myself in T'Challa, the man I wish to be. Wait, I think we can spoil if we say, if we put in a spoiler alert. It's going to be real big at the top of the episode. we can spoil. Hear ye, hear (laughs) ye. Beyond here lies spoilers. <laughs> Let's, Let's actually record a, a spoiler thing at, at the, the top. Okay, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but go ahead. 
So I saw myself as, as both T'Challa and Killmonger. I saw myself when anger and frustration and all of these negativity, negative things fester in your soul and take over, and you become this dark, dark being. And then I saw myself as T'Challa where you know how to right the wrong and you know what you have to do, but you have to find the will to do it. Mm-hmm. I saw a people, the Jabari, who were rejected all of these things and went up and kept to themselves and made themselves a force to be reckoned with and still hold their ground with anyone else who was more technologically advanced. And and it was just a love letter to our people, the colors, the the suits, the buildings, the words. If you could read the Wakandan lettering that they use for everything. Mm -hmm. Which you could. I did. Yeah. I have have the key. I have the Wakandan alphabet key. I'll send it to you later. Um, Thanks. Too much. Yeah, they have like lowercase and uppercase lettering, but it's not. It's not cozy. It's yeah. It's the the Marvel Wakanda. Right. But um, it was. I don't know. I've been so happy. Like I I can't put into words. Like the joy that it has been radiating from my body since I've seen that movie last week. Um, and even when I got home, I was wearing my necklace, the like a necklace I had, a Black Panther necklace I made. And someone, like this woman, just was like, she gave me Crossed the salute, arms. the cross, the X on the train. Like in the, on the train? Yeah. Stop. I was walking through the thing and she looked at me and she was like, oh my God. And I was like, I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna lose <laughs> my shit. Right I would have wept so hard. Oh my god! And I was like, I have to get home. I have to get home. I have to keep it together. It's like, gotta go, gotta go. But it was definitely <laughs> one of those like that movie was a love letter. And yeah. as uh, DJ uh, uh, MC Robin Hood and MC Underbite would say, King Coogler has done. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. It's okay. What do you think? Um, I think that I was not ready. Like, I, I knew it was going to be beautiful, and I knew that it was going to be deep, and I knew that it was going to, to like, tackle things, but I wasn't, I wasn't ready, like, for just the things and the layers and the stuffs and the ups and the downs, and, like, I just spent so much time, like, trying not to ruin my makeup, because I, <laughs> I cosplayed to every screening, and... Like, definitely, like Tony said, like, we would be out in the street, like, going to the thing, coming from the thing, wandering around after the thing. And, like, people gave us the Wakandan salute all the time, everywhere, at all moments. Like, it was just, it was just so magic. And, like, seeing, I think seeing the ways that... I, as, like, a person who is interested in STEM, but also is interested in, like, holding her own in a world that, like, often tries to minimize me, and Mm. also a person who wants to help, but a person who wants to keep the people that she loves safe, like... And when you say STEM, you mean um, science, technology, engineering, mathematics. Mathematics, right. I want to say STEAM, because I think art is an important part, too. Um, But all of those things, like, really... It, it was the first time in a long time that I saw a piece of media that made me feel held, mm-hmm. right? And, like, gave me um, space to, to be the multiplicitous pieces of myself, right, yeah. in the space, right? And I, 
I do a lot of fandom stuff, right? Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I consume a lot of media, and this is one of the only times that I have seen something in the sort of superhero fandom as opposed to the more, like, drama, rom-com fandom mm-hmm. that really addressed all of these different ways that I exist in the world, right. with one notable exception, which we can talk about. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Curious. But yeah, it just it just made me feel so held and so seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is that is a miracle unto itself. Yes. 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 So all all of the things, all the <laughs> crying, all the health. I mean, I you know, I just kept thinking like, how did Marvel let this happen? <laughs> and I'm Disney. So this is so pro black and like not at all. I was shocked. But to to back up from that, um, yeah, like opening credits, tears, you know, like and then <laughs> and then of course they pan to Oakland where I was born. Right. I was like just not ready. <laughs> that whole so the fact that Killmonger was from Oakland was particularly home hitting for me. Like, mm-hmm. I think you know, there's a lot I could say. Like, yes, love letter and and um, and the beauty of like everyone and so much blackness and I'll come back to that but like I just want to say like as the granddaughter of or the daughter of the son of a failed radical in the Bay Area in the 1960s and 70s to see that represented that storyline and like what that failure does to the preceding generations and like you know, literally, like, my dad won't stop sending me, like, think pieces. And like, <laughs> he's not that guy, but he's like, have you read this? Have you read this? Have you read this? And I'm like, yes, okay, relax, slow down. Um, and, like, he won't admit it because he's, you know, he's a different place of his emotions than I am. But, like, he did say, and, he like, he kind of left it there. He's like, we're talking on the phone because um, we're, like, Facebook chatting. But he's like... That, that scene where Killmonger, you know, went into the dream world and saw his father and they both said they were lost, like, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, Dad, I know. I thought about you, too. And, like, ugh, I'm going to cry right now. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. I did not want Killmonger to die. I think it was right that he did right. for the story, but, like, ugh, I was so, ugh, just locked into that narrative. And then I would say, other than that, like, it was so... Blackity black from like the opening, and like somebody said today, um, a journalist from Slate, um, uh, Jamel Bowie said like, oh, it was like that when they you went into the council room, it could have been like the African Game of Thrones. <laughs> I was like, I'm ready, I'm ready. Yes. <laughs> and but because of that, because they started it off like so black. In the preceding scenes, like when they went to Korea and there was like white background act- actors, I was irritated. I was like, "What are you doing? Get get out of my movie! Like, <laughs> I don't want to see your pasty face." And I had to like relax. I was like, okay, this is they're gonna go back. In the they're world. gonna go back. It's, it's fine. We're gonna go back. <laughs> we'll go right back to Wakanda. Um. So yeah, it was. Yeah, it was deeply satisfying and and i will say we're gonna get into it and we're gonna go there we are not gonna stop being like queer and radical as fuck in this moment but i'm a little sensitive about critiques right now like people who are like Same. writing all the like but what about the i'm like just can we have till march can we just have till march <laughs> right 
Give me till after May, because we get right? to go back to Wakanda uh, later in May. No. Okay. I know. But I think we're going to go a little bit and stay yeah. at some things. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to do so with caution and care. And love. And love. <laughs> Definitely. And love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So having said that, should we jump into our first topic? The first thing. So we want to talk about, um, because it was also such a game changer in terms of a Marvel movie, in terms of a a superhero movie, we want to talk about gender. And we want to talk about the way it was represented, or maybe not represented, and Mm -hmm. what we liked, didn't like, saw, um, saw ourselves, wanted more, etc. Yeah. Uh, I really love all of the nuances that we saw around gender. Mm. Right. So there was no like, I don't. And, you know, here we go with our magical education and big words. Like (laughs) there wasn't a Jezebel. There wasn't a Mammy. Mm. There wasn't like a Sapphire. Like all of these things that we saw that we often see when we are looking at femininity and blackness represented in the media. There was none of that. And like Kugler was very, very, very clear about the fact that he wanted multiple types of femininity, right? So he's mm-hmm. talked a lot about this and I really love it. His idea of like examining the relationship between the innovators and the traditionalists, right? And so we see both of those represented in femininity, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like all the men are in- innovators, all the women are traditionalists, right? Mm-hmm. We see all of those things represented in mm-hmm. all of the people of Wakanda, right? And and I think that it's so important that you have Shuri and um, Nakia who are innovators, right? They want to see and understand and know that Wakanda has a place in the world. Mm -hmm. And we have um, Ramonda and Okoye who are traditionalists, Mm -hmm. right? And who who love the things the way they are because they understand that tradition is what keeps them safe. Right. And I think it's so specifically around um, Okoye and Ramonda, like they are all about keeping Wakanda safe. Mm-hmm. And that and so the way that that showed up for me was really thinking about like Shuri and Nakia's view of keeping Wakanda safe was that Wakanda has to move, change and grow. Right. In order to stay safe, because otherwise people are going to come in and try mm. to take things. And Okoye and Ramonda's thing is like, nah, it's been like this for so long and we've been able to keep it like this. If it's not broken, don't fix That's it. That's so right on. Yeah, wow. I had not thought about that, but that is so rad. I didn't I've even really see that I've really just been either. thinking about this movie a lot, <laughs> you guys. I just... <laughs> yeah. I will say, um, just generally, like you said, like all different kinds of womanhood and also, like you said, like different kinds of femininity and... Just last episode, we uh, we were talking about how I didn't see representations of myself on screen in a way that I could like see love matches. Mm-hmm. I don't I still don't know that I saw a love match of myself in there, but we'll get to that. <laughs> but I did see myself as a sexual being, right? Like in all of those warrior women who were also like unashamedly feminine and not in ways that were conformist. Like you know, Clay's <laughs> moment with the wig was just <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> mm. In every way. I mean, there were just so many, like, signposts and flags in this that were just, like, making fun of us and the way right. that we, you know, internalize shit. Guns. So pretty much. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and I don't I don't remember the line, but when she's you know she's wearing the wig and she's like, I can't wait to get this damn thing off my head. Like, who would wear a wig ever? And like half the audience is like, oh, okay. <laughs> but like, it was funny. It was it was right on. It wasn't mean. It was like right, right, perfect. <laughs> so, so yeah, I I saw I saw a femme, um, mm-hmm. a femme power mm-hmm. that I recognized in myself, and that was that was amazing. Um. While we're still in the same vein of uh, feminine strength, the council of women that surrounded T'Challa was very... I saw myself seen because I grew up around queer queer women. And so they would always put me in check. They would always (laughs) remind me, like, yes, you're a man, but we're going to not let you be a shitty man. And to watch him listen to them and, like... Yes, he he is a figurehead, but he's a figurehead that listens to the people who know that they have the best intentions, not only for himself, but for the kingdom. Mm. And so that was really important because I surround myself with people like that. And when I have moments or delusions of grandeur, they're like, <laughs> no, no, hold up, hold up. Dial it back like 20. <laughs> and then let's, let's think of another way to go about this. And to see, to see how the men in the kingdom, them, like would without question I'm talking like Wakabi and Okoye in that moment. <laughs> I, like, I didn't care for the relationship, but in that moment where I was like watching, would you kill me, my love? For Wakanda? Without question. I love yes. And then when he just said, Drop <laughs> Neil, I was like, and that's exactly how it was supposed to go. Right. And watching just the submission and the understanding that no, your place is to to be by the side of those who have the strength and the wisdom and the knowledge. Like, yes, you may look like the big badass, but just because you you can present that doesn't mean you are the right one. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes men, people, right? I'll I'll use people. People get so set in their feelings that they that what they do is right, and that there's only that one way to go about it mm-hmm. without realizing that no, no, you need to look at it from all sides. Uh, take yourself out of the equation so that you can truly see, all right, this is how I feel. This is how someone else feels. But also remembering that you have an entire nation that you are trying to take care of, mm-hmm. right. an entire group of people that you you are bound to and responsible for. Right. Mm-hmm. And like that, that idea of approaching leadership through a framework, right, of multiple understandings, right? This I really love the space of the council because each of those individual representations is a new framework, right? Mm. Each tribe sees things and understands things and has different motivations, but they all share this goal of Wakanda forever, mm. right? And mm-hmm. I think that framework of multiple understandings, space for disagreement, but moving in a directionally aligned dire- like f- space forward is is a framework for leadership that like, you know, I'm studying management and leadership mm-hmm. in school and that is something that I wish I could get more people to understand isn't a foreign concept, right? right? Like there are ways for you to move and 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 understand things that are outside of this like trash western <laughs> thinking in right. the world. Yeah. Going keep going back to gender or staying on gender for a moment though. Mm-hmm. I'm curious for you Tony as a queer man, um did you see I mean you said you saw yourself represented in terms of the relationship between men and women and in terms of like leadership and advisement. Mm-hmm. Did you see yourself represented as a queer man or was that a, even a question did that come up for you? 
I mean, it didn't really come up as a question, but I mean, considering um, as a queer man with like deep personal friendships with heterosexual men, I saw like mm. the the friendship and the love and the brotherhood between T'Challa and Maccabi. Mm. And like, I have those friendships with with like my brothers and my friends and, and things like that, mm-hmm. where people who don't understand um, that men need to express love for one another as well. Uh, in whatever way, shape, or form that that presents itself is mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. Because most of the times, like, I run, jump, and hug my friends yeah. in front of anyone, anywhere, and I'm like, if you got a problem, step to me and we'll talk about this. Right. And so, and those things, you know, would be considered, oh, my God, that's so so gay or so, like, non-heteronormative. Taboo. Exactly, without understanding that so many men go without touch or go without love or go without understanding mm-hmm. from people of the same gender, and that makes them hard and cold in the world. Violent. And so just to see how even in the small moments where he got to to interact with another man from uh, the from Wakanda I I did see myself represented that's beautiful yeah, yeah, yeah. i think it's so interesting to me and it was something that i thought a lot about um with killmonger because he is juxtaposed directly against yeah. t'challa like who were his friends did he have friends right. was there anyone in the world Right, that he was able to share himself with, mm-hmm. um, and h- that he didn't see as a tool um, towards this moment that he was building for with T'Challa. And I don't know the answer, mm-hmm. right? And I don't. Th- I, I mean, I can extrapolate the answer, um, and that's no, right? Like yeah, he, I mean, just he was alone in the world, or he felt that he needed to stay alone in the world after the death of his father. Right, and I mean, you know. C- being that he is written from Oakland around the age of like eight or nine Mm -hmm. and 92, like literally we're of a generation. Right. Right. And so, you know, the Bay area is a really complicated place. And, you know, Ebony talked about this a bit when we had him on, but like there's definitely parts of the Bay that do have a space for queerness and softness and flexibility of gender, Mm -hmm. but there's also parts that are just the hood, you know, (laughs) and like East Oakland is like, has been forgotten for a long time. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of poverty and there's a lot of, um, you know, normalizing trauma um, in order to make it to the next day. And, like, I feel like I know a lot of boys like that and, like, or, like, have known and they're not around anymore. Right. You know? And so, yeah, his character was, like, yeah, legitimately from a space, a mind space that I recognize, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, g- even without the like extreme <laughs> of, like, being from a magical land and being left behind. <laughs> right, right. Um, but that's what it feels like, right? Like, right. so mm-hmm. I think that that's that's something that um, to speak a little bit about something I want to talk about later, which is like, you know, if Wakanda was real and like the political implications, but like something that um, um, actually Jenna. Uh, Wortham was talking about um, on Still Processing was that um, there's an analogy um, to the magic of Wakanda being just like the magic of blackness and black culture and the diaspora and that we all have that within us and we all feel like children or uh, all of us black Americans or those of us scattered in the the diaspora, so the Caribbean, are left behind. Right. Oh, I got something for that later on, too. Ooh, yeah. On <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, but I just feel like that's not actually such a stretch to right. feel like a child 
lost and left behind. Right, right. I kind of feel like that's how we are before we find each other as queer people. Because okay, okay. <laughs> come okay. on with a transition. <laughs> I'm just saying, because uh, definitely we we run in the same circles and we don't even know that we all exist mm-hmm. until we have that happenstance moment. Like I met a showcase in Michaels mm-hmm. because we had a mutual. We have a mutual friend at Michaels. Yeah, yeah. Because I was helping a friend find something. With the hot glue. Mm-hmm. And they were <laughs> like, do you know my friend? And I was like, no, I don't know your friend. And then we had met previously. Yeah, I was like, actually, you do know me. And then I went and found the picture. Okay, you be doing this. I do. You just did this to me. I did do this to Kiria. <laughs> I found, I meet people and I never forget a face. I'll forget your name, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, we met at, like, Melissa's Christmas party when I was, like, 18 and, like, a super baby gay. <laughs> Um, and I pulled, I found the picture and I was like, remember? It was like when we both had like little teeny locks, like, <laughs> oh, oh, baby locks. <laughs> okay. But so let's talk about queer or nah in Wakanda. So uh, you, you, this is where you both, you know, have knowledge on me because you've been fans of this uh, <laughs> world for a lot longer than I have. Um, apparently there's a queer ca- character that was made not queer. Right. Um, talk about it. Who is this? You want to go first? No, you can have it. Okay. I, I know you have like a, a, almost a thesis ready. Uh, it's not. A, it's just I have strong feelings. Um, <laughs> so Okoye is like in the canon is queer, right? <clears throat> and in the can like okay. So let's talk about the Dormilaje in general, and then we talk about Okoye. Right? So the Dormilaje are like the beloved ones, right? Like mm-hmm. theoretically. They are all candidates to be T'Challa's wife or the, the wife of the Black right. Panther at this some I point. I learned from Roxanne Gay, World of Wakanda. Go right. on. Okay, and that's really important, right? Yeah. Um, and so, however, because they spend all their time together, they train together, they live together, they fight together, obviously they form relationships with each other and have the freedom to form relationships with whomever um, until, it, until it becomes a thing where, like, the Black Panther is, like, starting to choose a wife and then they have to like figure some things out that's a little problematic but go on yeah right i mean you know <laughs> yeah classic black panther is not like the promised land go on it's true. um and so okoya has a relationship with another dormilaje and we were we being like many many black queer nerds were super 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 excited when um, Florence Kazuma was cast, or was, was stated that she was going to continue to be cast, um, and we were like, "Ooh, it's gonna be her, mm. right? Like it, that's gonna be, that's gonna be it. Like we're gonna have that thing." And there were like whispers around a scene or a dance or something. And uh, obviously, this is what happens when you listen to rumors. Obviously, they were un- unsubstantiated. Mm-hmm. The writers were like, "Well, I don't remember that. Maybe we talked about it once, but it wasn't something that they had ever planned." or had ever had continued conversations about fleshing out. Um, But for me, I think that it was the one thing, it was the one way in which I didn't feel held. Mm -hmm. Um, Watching this movie, I was like, here is an entire group of warrior women. Um, And Ryan Coogler talks so much about, like, the ways in which he wanted to represent all the different types of femininity that he could imagine and more, Mm. except for this kind like right. is queerness not a part of femininity can can queerness not be fat like i have so many feelings about like why 
And it's not even like old canon, right? right. Roxane Gay wrote about the Dormelage and the way that they exist right. real recently, <laughs> right? And right. Ta-Nehisi Coates was, was consulted around this script right. and Roxane Gay wasn't, mm-hmm. yeah. right? She wasn't even invited to the premiere. right? Mm-hmm. And so I am, that's literally one of my biggest critiques of the movie. Right. And I would say it's one thing too, like for those of us, like me, I'll, I'll be, I'll, I, I'm kind of, I straddle, right? Um, <laughs> but like, I'll, for a moment, I'll claim the side of folks who are like, just kind of entering the movie a little new, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least like, I know the Marvel franchise, but I'm not a big comic reader. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one thing to say like, oh, you didn't include a queer character, then the, then the response is like, well, they can't have everything. But what we're talking about is erasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're talking about a major character that did factor into the movie in a very key way and changing her identity. F- and for why? Like, what is the rationale behind that? Like, you could argue that it's storytelling, but they've been saying that about queer storylines or even black storylines for... Five ever. For, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not about the storyline. It's about your fear of our representation and what that does to your concept of the world. Something I had recently read was um, that the film itself shattered, it obliterated all expectations about a film about a black cast or an African story carrying through around the world. Mm-hmm. And so for me... The, the moment with Okoye and Ayo, because when it was like, Ayo, protect the king. And I was like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> but um, I also, because in, in noticing that erasure, I was also in the moment hoping, because, you know, we get two more visits to Wakanda that the ears, are, the ears of the world are listening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because some of us uh, do things that are so prominent in the world and they take notice, hopefully whoever happens to come across this podcast <laughs> will see that the moment with Okoye and Wakabi at the end of the film should put a rough patch in their relationship and then open the door for Ayo to come in and then steal hey. the boo. Cheers and Queers exclusive, y'all. I'm, I'm we just out saying, here. Like, if you, if you want storytelling, I can give you a good story in a hot minute. <laughs> like we can, we can totally be like, all right, we got you. Now let's bring it up a notch. Let's let's bring right. it to the point of where it should be, and we can get all of those things that we had missed mm-hmm. in in part one. Mm-hmm. And so definitely in that, and I I probably would have enjoyed if one. I understand that the the council of Wakanda was very much like you know the elder and then their descendant. I really would have enjoyed if we could have seen who the descendants might have been attached to, like other than like people. Mm connected to the royal family. I mean, family. we need so many spin-off movies. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you could have a whole thing about the Jabari tribe. Oh, my like God. Like, my friend and I were discussing... All of y'all all just want to talk about the Jabari. Hold up. I'm all about the Panther tribe, so so please <laughs> hold that back. Wow. 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 Just... But it's one of those things. Like, did you realize that uh, Mbaka was standing in the throne room at the end of the film after all of that? Mm-hmm. Most people miss mm-hmm. that. I, mm-hmm. I missed that. Okay, I only saw that once. You all See? saw it, like, 60 times. I'm only on round three. Three. Okay. Round I need, four I'm probably trying to go will again. tomorrow morning. Right, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> wow, wow, wow. But it, but it's all those like those wonderful things that like okay, we missed this mark. We missed this mark. It mm-hmm. is a wonderful film. It's wonderful. Now, bring it into the next one. Yeah. Like yeah. you have a chance to make it. Even There's space better. for improvement. That's right. Um, I think this is a great moment to sort of pivot to. Um, this is you know kind of pushing from what what Wakanda was for this fantasy world, but then also there was many implications for what it could mean to our real world. Like, Mm -hmm. the movie was 
so political mm-hmm. and so um, so speaking to like deep um, diasporic debates right. between African Americans and Africans, mm-hmm. speaking to uh, talking about political constructs and the way we want to govern ourselves and be governed and speaking to um, how much we want to engage as a global community or as singular communities. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a lot to pick apart about like the politics, yo. Um, it's it's kind of hard to start somewhere, but mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering, it's interesting because you were already kind of speaking to this council situation, which mm-hmm. is interesting because from my perspective, it still felt very much like, oh, it's a monarchy. Like the moment when Okoye was like, uh, um, you know, oh, girl was like, okay, let's get out of here because T'Challa went off the cliff and da-da. she's like, um, I'm here for the throne. I was like, oh, it's like that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like you spoke to, you know, the traditionalists, but also it was like, oh, yes, monarchy. Mm-hmm. Like, and, you know, on on crowning day, it's challenge day to see if someone else will be the monarch. And I have a lot of problems with that mm-hmm. <laughs> politically. Not, you know, not in terms of the movie, but in terms mm-hmm. of like an, 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 mm-hmm. an analog for the real world. Mm-hmm. You know, it sort of speaks to some of the things we were talking about last time about the black billionaire and mm-hmm. like uh, whether they're going to be our savior. And no, I would argue. And I feel similarly about monarchy. But so that's a little seed. You know, <laughs> what are we thinking about this? Um, the propositions made in the film about black leadership and ruling and I mean, a lot of a lot of it for me, and I said this earlier, was whom you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to black leadership, it was almost even uh, if I was to take the odd like juxtaposition right now, mm-hmm. the Obamas for me mm-hmm. were the royal family. And so when yep. you stop and think about it, it <clears throat> a lot of what came down the pipe and and my feelings came a lot from Michelle. And so there would be lots of family conversation and lots of things. And he in in Barack wanted to make a world better for his daughters. Right. He and so and when you think That's literally, about, by the way, my mom would always say, "I'm voting for the Obama daughters." <laughs> 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 wow. And so I'm writing Sasha and Malia. And so, oh <laughs> go on. And so when you go back to think about that, I, that's how I saw I saw the way the monarchy would work, like. They, there were these powerful women who would tell him what to do. Like, he was like, yes, I'm the king and, and all of these things. But he really knew, no, 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 we're telling you what to do and this is how it's going to go. Right. And anyone who, who actually observed the movie and tried and would listen to anyone trying to say otherwise would know the truth of it. <laughs> and the fact of, like... Start over. <laughs> Stop looking at me. It was both of you. That's why I started laughing. Um, It was a very interesting dynamic just to know for the facts of, like, there were powerful women making the decisions. They were the ones who knew what needed to be done and when, and they would say key sentences that would then influence his thinking. Mm -hmm. Like, it was one of those, like, um, when they were trying to figure out uh, to get Claw, Mm -hmm. right? And Wakabi was stuck in the, are you going to kill him or are you bringing him here? And then everyone else is like, hey, let's figure out if we're going to get him first. Like, can we secure him? And because men generally get stuck on revenge. Do we want well, revenge or action. do we want justice? Okay, action. action yeah. I will take that. Yeah. I, a lot of the men in the movie were stuck on revenge. 
Mm-hmm. So that that's where my statement is coming from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in the observation of that vein. Yeah. yeah. I definitely think that this idea around monarchy was, well, A, was, was based on the fact that, like, we know who created Black Panther, right? Mm-hmm. It was people, outsiders right. looking in, right? And so um, what Ta-Nehisi Coates and other folks who've, who've come to write Black Panther are doing is literally taking from the lore that exists. Right. And when you say outsiders, you're talking about white people. Yeah. You're talking about Stan Lee. (laughs) You're talking about, yeah. Kirby and Arrested Am. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that Kugler did a great job in incorporating non-traditional, right? Non-traditional as in not white traditional, but traditional as in African traditional ways of understanding leadership and ways of understanding decision-making, ways of understanding communal um, leadership. Mm-hmm. And I think that while I don't know that a monarchy is an effective leadership strategy, um, because I think that centralized leadership is always a way to like get people fucked up. <laughs> um, seriously, like power corrupts. It's true. It's what yeah. happens. However, I think that the way that we have seen the structure, specifically the structure of yeah. T'Challa actually cannot just run around and do what the fuck he wants. Yeah. Right? Like, there there are limits to the way that he functions. Um, and he has to, he is, he has to answer to the council, right? You saw that, like, yeah, he brought Ross back to Wakanda, but he knew he was going to get in trouble. <laughs> right. <laughs> he knew. He was like, well, you know, Koya was like, well, I'm not going to help you out. Right. And when we sit down to this council meeting, you just going to be, you did this and you have to deal with the consequences. And the king has, the king is a, a citizen like everyone else. And when he screws up, as we see, he does screw up in the comics. Mm-hmm. Right. When he screws up, he has to deal with the consequences. Right, so I, I want to talk a little bit more about this revisioning mm-hmm. that Ryan Coogler did mm-hmm. because this is what I think is, is the brilliance of this, of this screenplay and what and the vision that he put forward and also the limits of the genre, like a, a superhero movie. <laughs> <laughs> like what he did is he, he said, you know, he, what he did is he, he necessarily contended with what it would mean to have a nation like Wakanda that was a sovereign African nation that pre-exists slavery mm-hmm. and has had resources in order to combat Western colonial powers mm-hmm. and did not. Right. And what does that mean to the diaspora? That is a question that was never taken on in the original Anything series. Ever. Couldn't be conceptualized by the white creators. Right. And, and Ryan Cooler went straight into the center of that. One of the think pieces that my dad sent me, um, I don't remember the, I'll link to it, but it's it's called American Monster in Wakanda. And it's talking about how much this, the author of that article like deeply identified with Killmonger and like being really pissed off at Wakanda. And also was like, but I like the movie though at the end. <laughs> but, like, but like, yes, I, but I think that's by design. Right. Ryan Coogler didn't say like, oh, we're going to make this bad guy Killmonger and everyone's going to be like, boo. No, you're supposed he to love him. him. He when him he dies, you're supposed, that, that final line, when he said, just bury me in the ocean 
with my ancestors who jumped off the boats because they knew that death was better than captivity. Oh my God, like that spoke to my heart. Right. And I, I think that the limits then of a superhero movie is that Wakanda has to win. Right. Mm. And T'Challa has to win. He doesn't though, right? So in the, um, uh, mm, mm, well, mm. okay, but hold, hold, because he did, right? In the movie. He in has to this win. movie. Yes, but but I think even like the triumphant, like, oh, he's at the UN. That's where he should be. It's like, well, actually I have a lot of problems with that organizational body mm-hmm. and the way that they, you know, uh, uh, cooperate, quote unquote, right. with the rest of the world. And I think, you know, to put, you know, not to find a point on it, but like, I don't actually have a problem with global armed resistance. Mm-hmm. It's the problem was that it was not organized. Mm. Right. That, it, that right. if Killmonger had said, actually, I've been doing community organizing for the for last 20 time. years of my life. <laughs> and now I know how and to we got, like, do effectively right. do this in a way that will not just result in a lot of death and right. mayhem. Right. right? And mm. so I think that was what, when I, I said this to someone, I was like, I think Killmonger reminds me of people that I organize with. Mm. Yes. Yes. Right. And oh people, like legitimately people who I, I want to yes. give a hug and, and yes. be like, yo, the trauma is real. I need you to take a step back from the things that we are doing every day yeah. and examine what's going on in your spirit. Yeah. Because you will never be able to effectively do the work right. if you carry this this hate. Right. Right. And it's it is hate. Right. right, it is rage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, blind rage. Um, with you into the way that you organize. <clears throat> right, and so I, I, I really like. I love that we get, we get T'Challa like doing the thing in the UN. Right, mm-hmm. cool. We also get him being like, well, I'm also gonna do what I want to do, which is buy up this shit in Oakland. Yeah, but it's start still doing just the foreign thing aid. That, it mm-hmm. is just foreign aid, right? And That's I not want the thing. and so for me, I'm like, is he going to engage community organizers in Oakland? Is he going to That's we gotta write that fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> Who we know out there. You know folks. Yeah. No, um I'm ready. we're gonna write them right into the fanfic. Yeah. Um but right, is he going <laughs> Eastside Arts Alliance? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> hey. But is he is his way better? I don't know. Right. Because because I I come from a school of organizing that says you have to have both. Right. You have to have if you're going to do organizing, you need to have the resources. Right. You need to have the clout and the power. Right. That the king of Wakanda has. But you also need to have a basic understanding of the space in which you are doing the work. And you cannot have that if you do not speak to and listen right. to the folks with whom right. you are doing Yeah, see, work. that's the thing. The aid, like the way he's dropping into Oakland is still as an outsider coming right. in, right? So, right. and yes, there's Did he ask what's anybody in Oakland? Did he Oakland? ask anybody? Hey, yo, y'all want a cultural exchange center or not? <laughs> did he, literally, did, did he ask, is this place accessible to you? Did he ask, like, what y'all really need? Like, he didn't, right? He was just like, I know. And he did, and this is coming from a space of like thinking about how organizers do and don't do things well, right? So often somebody will drop into a space and be like, I know what I think I want to do in this space. I know what I think the problem is. And they just start doing the things instead of a more grassroots functional understanding of 
let me go speak to these people and say, what do you need? Mm -hmm. And how can I get you that thing? Right. Yeah, so, uh, so I want to bring it back to something that I brought up earlier, um, which is the tactics of Wakanda for, or the strategy of Wakanda for generations mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. be isolationist mm-hmm. and the sort of double-edged sword of that. Because, I, I, you know, isolationism as, like, a national strategy it c- is, like, to me, the macro of separatist movements as a micro strategy, which have been, you know, foundational in some of like my my own political grandmamas and grandpapas. Mm-hmm. And to, like Audre Lorde was a bit of a separatist in some right. ways, right? So like, I'm just, I wanna see that out there. Like, what do we think about the like challenge of um, sort of double-edged sword of like, oh, it's important to protect what you got, but then also what is it, what is it, what do you lose? Or, you know, whatever, yeah. And um, to to even go along that vein, like when you protect what you have, you don't know about the other people that are out there. Mm. So um, something I think I had said earlier today was um, it's like growing up queer. Mm. You know okay. you're queer, but you don't know what ident- what what markers makes another person queer. Like mm. oh, maybe someone it just happens to be out there with their fashion doesn't mean that they're queer. Doesn't mean that they're they're their family because you know all skin folk and kin folk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so. <laughs> And that understanding, like to even take it to Wakanda versus the diaspora, it was a very much Killmonger like broke my heart in that moment where his words said to me, you knew we were out there, so why didn't you come and get us? And that that broke my heart like in that moment because it made me think of all the times of for the displaced people, we until recently, we couldn't really trace back to at least a general idea of where we came from. And so now that we can, you know, there are people that make their jokes. I'm like, oh, congratulations, all that. And and those people I check very, very strongly, like, congratulations on knowing what little white bread you come from. But for people like me who don't have that privilege, this means a lot. And so when you stop to think about that. Are you talking about genealogy testing? Yeah, genealogy testing, to be specific. Yeah. Um, um, and when you think about that, it, it really breaks down to Wakanda had all of the power and technology to help everyone displaced. So why not? Like, I understand they wanted to protect themselves, but if we are all to live as one tribe, why didn't they protect the rest of the members outside? But do you think, I mean, this is like such a fantasy exercise, right? Mm-hmm. But like, could they have possibly taken on the world, though? Yes. Ooh. And this is what I okay. Ooh. So here's why I ready. Here's how I'm you know ready. Harry Potter is my first fandom. Okay, go. <laughs> Reason number million why J.K. Rowling got me fucked up. Okay. She wrote about one, one school of magic in all of Africa. Mm. One big ass continent. One school, and Europe has three. Oh, what? Oh, okay. And my first question was, what did this school of Africa do when the white wizards came on the boats? <laughs> you almost made me take my headphones off and walk out. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm still... So think, think, so think about it, right? Let's just go into Harry Potter world. Yeah. Once upon a time, black folks was in Africa being magical. Okay. Once upon a time... Uh-huh. Because Hogwarts is a very old school, as is Dumbstrung, as is Bottoms, right? Those people learned magic and used that magic 
to get to Africa. Because mm-hmm. you know magical monarchs, well, monarchs in general, use the power of magic to get places because there was no way that they were going to amass the type of wealth that they did without that, especially England. The wizards, right, who had studied at Hogwarts, came the fuck on over to Africa. And they were like, I know slavery. Wait, what? Right? Yeah. Okay, go on. Because the only, how, yeah. could, how could they have come up with. I'm just trying with, to sew the thread here. I know, I know. Just, just take, take it with Hogwarts. Me. Just okay. come with me, right? How could they have created something like a slave ship? How could they have imagined. What does this have to do with how Muhammad could dominate listen, the world? Listen, 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 okay. listen, right? I just remember how we're going to go outside and make a left turn. Okay. <laughs> what did the wizards, the magical people, the people who could wield magic in Africa do to save the people who looked like them? Well, according to J.K. Rowling, nothing. They mm-hmm. hid in a magical school that's literally on a cloud mm-hmm. and withdrew mm-hmm. from the continent. Mm-hmm. Right? Wakanda did the same thing. Mm -hmm. They saw that things were literally going left. And they said, it's more important for us to keep our way of life than it is for us to maintain the way of life of all the people who exist on this continent. So that's what I'm saying. Right. And that and that's about Wakanda is that I don't think think that's why it's so a struggle for me, because both of these things were created by white folks. True. True. Both of these things were created True. through the lens of uh, we, this is what we think maybe black folks would do. Would do. Right. 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 And mm. it's really a, a really deep question of like, oh, so th- you think everybody's as shitty as you are, or they hide. Right. You think that if you would if it came down to it, people are going to choose their own skin Mm. over the skin of the people who look like them. Right. 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 Because it's not. And I I, oh, people are going to be mad. Wakanda is not ours. Right. That's true. It's not ours. Right. It's Kirby's. Okay, but. And Stanley's. But I just listened to earlier a totally different subject. I'm not going to go down the tangent, but it posed the question. Not, not in terms of, like, uh, fantasy, um, fiction, but just generally, let's say culture um, and traditions, the fact that, like, not talking about appropriation, but talking about the introduction of, of one culture to another culture that has not previously been there. Um, in this example, it was jumping the broom, which actually was an originally a Welsh cultural tradition right and it has now become synonymous with african-american tradition and the question is just because it did not originate technically in like an african diasporic like it didn't come from west africa does that not mean that it can't does that mean that it cannot belong to Mm. the the black american and the black american culture that and there are examples of this probably elsewhere in right. the world that right. that cultures become adopted by not appropriated which is one culture with more power taking something from a culture with less power and profiting off of it but adopting and then acculturating it becoming a part of oneself and so the question is can we make wakanda ours oh we have we already have <laughs> right. Like, right 
<clears throat> like we under back to what Ashoke said, it, we definitely understood that it was not ours to begin with. Right. But we also made them understand that everything that they want to put into Wakanda right. is ours and has come from us and has stemmed from the people that we are and the richness of our identities and cultures and multifacetedness. So yes, uh, I'm on a yes on yes. We own it. We own it. Okay. I think it's time for last thoughts. What do we want to leave? Um, and perhaps this is also a toast. A toast to the groom. To the groom. To the groom. To the groom. To the bride. To the bride. Okay. And this is a question that I'm just going to be asking people all yeah. the time. How are you taking, like, the joy, like the, like, just epic black mm-hmm. joy of Wakanda out with you into the world? Mm. Yeah. And then we'll just toast to... Wakanda. Right. <laughs> Duh. So, all right. Let's let's start how we um let's end how we started. So let's go boom boom boom. Um I am taking with me the black joy that I have received on my many visits to Wakanda <laughs> by um being kinder to skin folk. Yes. Uh oh and God. I say that because we understand that not all skin folk are kin folk, but we don't know those of us who have reached the point that we are currently sitting at. Mm-hmm. Meaning our understanding of self, our understanding of how we move the world through the world and how the world moves with us. Mm-hmm. So I am a lot more kinder to my brothers and sisters when I see them, and I'm a lot less um, easy to get to that step of anger. Mm. So that is what I am bringing with me to the world mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. my visits to Wakanda. That's big things, and I want to ask you about that in six months. How you <laughs> All right, you can definitely can. <laughs> Um, I think I am bringing with me the joy of complex femininity, Mm. right? Like, I think that I just have been reveling (laughs) in the way, in, like, the space of, like, Shuri and Nakia and Okoye and Ayo. And, like, just, like, all of the different, and, like, just looking at, like, the Instagrams of all of the the different Dora Milaje, like... The way that after Beyonce's formation mm. video and also after she was at the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. everybody was like, look at all of these magical, beautiful goddesses who were just like giving us life mm-hmm. on the Super Bowl field. While also being fierce as fuck. And right. Like With a whole and, like yeah. everything. Right. I really, really am like living in this world of like femininity doesn't have to be meh. Right. It can be all of the things. And I get I get to be as many of those iterations of things as I want. Excellent. Mm, I feel that. I think for me, honestly, I, I have to approach, you know, I'm, I'm always watching culture and media as a creator because I am in, I am in theater and, you know, dabbling in film and television, um, both behind the screen and in front of it. And so if, if Ryan Coogler can get Marvel to make the blackest movie I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> okay. then I can stop being afraid to bring my real ass self voice content to whatever I make and tell people who have the potential to fund me, back me, produce me, yeah, this is what I make and you're gonna love it. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking that fierceness, I'm taking that unabashed, unashamed creative impulse to just represent myself and my people mm-hmm. in my work. Better fuck it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get it. <laughs> Cast y'all in it. So. Yeah. Look. We there. We in there like swimwear. You know. Cheers, y'all. Cheers. Cheers. Blood of the colonizer. Killmonger's blood of the colonizers. <laughs> in the world, there will only be two left. The conquered and the conquerors. <laughs>
And the intoxicated. <laughs> well, I guess that'll be three then. <laughs> All right, that's a wrap. <laughs> So you can use the hashtag cheers and queers. So that's cheers, the letter N, queers, and the hashtag pod in on Twitter, um, on Facebook, on Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter. We now have a Twitter account. Same uh, letters, cheers, the letter N, queers. Um, join the conversation tell your friends uh, come and talk to us tell us about the cuties you met tell us what you're drinking come get involved if you also want to talk to us you can leave us a cute review on iTunes come on with the purple app give us your comments give us how much you love us and that way other people who want to find this podcast can look us up and don't just slide out the DMs, as cute as that is, and tell us one-on-one how great we are. We love Although that. Although we love the DMs. We do love that. But also tell everybody else. So <laughs> get on the iTunes app or the iTunes store and tell everyone why they should listen to the show. And we're a member of the Gifted Sounds Network. This episode was produced by Ishoke and myself, Kiria, with support from Lance John and edited by Giselle Hernandez. Hi, Giselle. Thanks, guys. Bye.